Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. My name is Thomas Frank, and this is a show that helps you become more effective as a student in college, high school, or as a student of life, I suppose. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to utilize the power of storytelling in both interviewing and in crafting your resume. My guest today on the show is Brian Robin. He is a guy who runs a blog called Take Your Success, and it's actually pretty similar to my blog. He writes about topics that are relevant to students, like networking and building relationships with professors and all sorts of other cool things, so definitely check it out. And he also wrote a book called The Golden Resume, which talks all about how to craft a great resume and get a great job, and it seems to be getting pretty great reviews on Amazon. So all those things will be in the show notes, which you can find over at CIGpodcast.com over at the episode 80 link. Man, wow, we are getting right up there with episodes. We're getting pretty close to 100. Um, I guess if you have ideas for what we should do for the 100th episode special, well, you've got about 20 weeks to tweet me answers or or ideas or suggestions over at Tom Frankly on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I guess one one other thing I want to talk about before I get into this interview is uh, (laughs) Brian is a great example of how bad I am with email because I think that Brian emailed me just to reach out back in like February of this year and through my terrible procrastination with email, which is probably my greatest weakness uh, in terms of my professional life. I don't think I got back to him until like July or August, but <laughs> so um, this is just my kind of public apology to Brian and to anybody I haven't replied to. I, I can't reply to every single email these days because, um, you know, the YouTube channel has kind of blown up the entire platform and it just doesn't make sense for me to to reply to every single email. But for the ones that I do want to reply to, you know, it's it's always a constant battle with email. And I think it's a constant battle with a lot of things in your professional life. But uh, it's one thing that I'm trying to improve on. But anyway, I'm glad that I did reply to Brian's email because he turned out to be an awesome guy. And we had a great conversation that I think you're going to enjoy a lot. And uh, now that I've finished editing this episode and I have it out to you because you're listening to it right now, even though I suppose I recorded it earlier um, I'm going to go and try to better my processes, processes, that's a word, for dealing with my email because I'm all about constant improvement, right? So hopefully that this episode will help you to constantly improve on both your interviewing skills and your resume building skills. And you can find links to everything, as I said, at those show notes. You can also find ways to rate and review the podcast if you're enjoying it. And one thing I want to mention is I found a plugin that actually shows me reviews from other countries, which I didn't know existed. I had only been looking at reviews in iTunes for the US, and I just realized that there are reviews currently from uh, Sweden, from Colombia, from the UK, and from a couple of other countries. So if you live in a country that hasn't shown up on the review list yet, it would be awesome if you'd leave a review. And uh, I'll let you guys know what other countries start popping up on the review list. So that'll be fun. Anyway, that's all I have for this intro, so let's dive right into this interview, and, well, hope you enjoy it. All right, cool. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited. (laughs) Yeah, got this whole, the show and dance that we wanted to avoid, but it's okay. Um, So we're going to talk about storytelling in uh, in terms of interviews and resumes and stuff today, which I think is a really important topic for any student going into an interview and who is writing a resume. But I want to get your story first because I, I've seen your blog and I know you're writing about some similar topics to what I've written about, but I don't really know what sort of led you to start it and like what you have kind of been doing. 
Yeah, so long story short, um, so I faced a lot of rejection in my college admissions coming from high school to college, and a lot of it was you know, my fault, not studying hard enough, not um, getting good enough recommendation letters and things like that, but honestly, it really sucked, so um, I ended up getting into a pretty good school. Um, I know I could have done better, so in college, I set this goal like I was never going to let something I could control on my own end. Um, hurt my future. So in college, I set out to get a 4.0 in uh, every semester and do really well in my classes. And I had this goal of going to Harvard Law School, which initially uh, that was a plan. I mm-hmm. think that helped me do well. But then I switched courses. I started creating these systems and did really well in all my classes. And my friends, um, roommates, and classmates started to notice, like, hey, Brian, how do you do so well? You know, the class average on this test was an 80. You got a 95. What'd you do? And um, I'm happy to help people out. But it got kind of exhausting to tell every single person, you know, in a one-on-one conversation. And like many people, I uh, decided to create a blog just because that's obviously a much better way to reach a larger amount of people. So I didn't put any pressure on my friends or classmates, but I was like, if you guys are interested, then just go to the blog, and that's where that's where I have this information. And then kind of transferring to the resume, that's the same thing happened in my senior year of college. I was getting a lot of interviews and getting a lot of job offers, and my friends were doing okay, but um, didn't have the same amount of success that I did. And they you know, asked me the same questions, how are you doing it, what's working, and we're going to get into that, but that's kind of the reason for my blog, TakeYourSuccess.com, and then my book, The Golden Resume. Cool. Did your friends uh, actually go to your blog and like, did they tell you that they found your site useful then? Yeah, yeah, they did. And a lot of times I'd actually ask their advice because I, you know, sometimes have a, I don't think I'm your average college student. I um, probably am much more of a nerd and kind of look at systems and I'll take notes and reflect and what's working, what's not. So I actually asked their advice to see, like, what are you guys struggling with? What is a helpful topic? And, yeah, we kind of created this system of me helping them and them helping me. So it worked really well. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of got the vibe that you might not be a normal student. Like, there's this post on your site that said, what happened when I drank 1,400 ounces of water in seven days? <laughs> what does that translate to? Is that like, I was like, what, 16 ounces to a, a cup, right? Or is eight ounces to a cup? Yeah, I think it's, I had this big cup, so. How many gallons did that translate to? I I can do like the Google thing right now. In gallons. I'm not good at science. That is uh, 10.9 gallons in a week. (laughs) So like more than a gallon a day. Yeah, I stopped keeping track how many times I went to the bathroom because it was just getting (laughs) absurd. 1.5 gallons a day. So I used to do two gallons a day. Uh, for like a couple months during my freshman year. And it was because I was like trying everything to clear my complexion up. But what, like, what was your reason for doing it? So my reason for doing it, I just first of all like to do challenges and anything from mental to health to whatever. And then um, I was just reading all the benefits of water. And, you know, it seems like this little thing they tell kids like drink your water. But really there's you feel so much better. You're more active, better skin. Um, helps bowel movement and things like that. Mm. So it was a lot of different reasons, and I kind of like to do things to show my readers. So it wasn't as hard for me because I normally drink a lot of water. But I think, you know, 200 ounces a day was kind of overkill, and I read that you can actually drown yourself and uh, 
starts messing up the blood if there's too much water in it. So now I'm down to 100 ounces. But yeah, that was interesting post. Okay. So, oh, did you set out to do 200 ounces a day or what was the goal per day? Yeah, the goal was 200 ounces a day, which is, I did that because um, I read somewhere, um, I should know the source, but there's a couple of different sources. It said you should drink an ounce of um, how much you weigh each day. So if you weigh 150 pounds, you know, drink 150 ounces that day. And I think that's a little overkill. So now I'm down to half your body weight in ounces, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I guess I had never heard that before. I'd heard the, uh, the, the get one gram of protein per pound of body weight per day. Yeah. Or some, actually, I think I heard people saying like 1.5 to two. And I was like, do I really need 400 grams of protein? That seems a little bit overkill. <laughs> <laughs> and the same with water. I, I think for me, it was just like, try to drink as much water as possible. And, uh, I had like this liter bottle and work was very boring. So I would just, every time I would go to the bathroom, I'd fill it up and drink it again. <laughs> thus starting the cycle anew. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I would agree that 200 ounces a day is, is a bit much. Mm-hmm. hundred's probably good though. Yeah. It was almost getting annoying. Like, geez, I have to walk to the bathroom again, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah it was I all right for a week. I just have like this, uh, I think it's like a 1.5 liter and I try to do like one or two of those a day. So you're probably doing a lot better than I am with water. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you can inspire me to be a little bit better with my hydration goals. Yeah, that can be our uh, next topic. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so, I mean, you're, you're building all these systems um, and and getting all these job offers. But once you get into the interviews, like you told me that being able to tell a story with your work history and with, with things that are going on in your life has been really helpful. So let's dig into this topic of like stories and why people are fascinated with them and how you can use them. Yeah, so first um, to kind of give some foundation – I think what makes stories so powerful is a lot of people don't tell stories. So they come in and they say, you know, I'm super organized, I'm super motivated, I'm super hardworking, and that's why I think I'm best for this job. And if you put yourself in the mind of a hiring manager or recruiter, and you know, you have maybe 10 different people coming in saying they're super motivated, super hardworking, they know they can contribute value. I mean, that's all just a bunch of buzzwords and it doesn't, it's not convincing. But if instead, if you come in and you're the 11th person and you start telling a story of how you can contribute value and you don't use those, you know, buzzwords of why you're hardworking, motivated, then that's going to actually, first of all, say you, um, make you stand out because everyone else just didn't tell a story. And then when you tell your story, it's going to actually create more interest in the recruiter or hiring manager because people love stories and we can get into some of that science, but um, before everything was written down, obviously there's the great storytellers in the villages around the fire and people transferred, you know, history and knowledge through stories. So I think humans are naturally wired and it's in their DNA to love stories. And also that story arc, um, anywhere from a movie to your favorite book, you love it and you remember it because of the story. And does that make sense? Yeah, Definitely. I've been thinking about the importance of this because uh, I have a I have a speaking gig coming up in like three weeks, and uh, I've just been kind of like looking at all these examples of great speakers, and I have a couple of friends who are professional speakers, and they've been telling me like you need to tell stories about your own experience that relate to what the audience is going through as well, because then they're going to sort of like. It's like almost like this self-insertion, like you can see yourself in the story or you can see elements of what you're going through in that story. And 
it just uh, it ties it back to what you're going through so much more powerfully than uh, a bullet list of tips does. Exactly. And I think going back to the um, interview topic, you know, if it's a hiring manager and you're a guy or girl telling the story, they might see themselves in the seat of you or they might see their kid or their sibling, you know, and that's going to create a much more emotional and uh, just connection in your brain where that's how you get remembered and that's how you're ultimately going to get the job. Cool. Yeah. So are you, are you, are you working a job right now or what is, cause you graduated, right? Yeah. So I'm in outside sales. Yeah. And back to the water story real quick. I was just thinking of how many times I, um, when I wasn't out in the field, when I was in the office, just walking by my manager's door, going to the bathroom. So, but anyway, <laughs> I'm in outside sales. Yeah. What, what is outside sales? So we're inside sales is on the phone, calling people, maybe sending emails, um, out in the field, trying to get these meetings with um, marketing directors or purchasing. Usually I like marketing because they don't care as much about cost and they like to spend money and make things look fancy. And I work for R.R. Donnelly. So that's a international communications and um, print company. So you probably haven't heard of us, but you've, I think, definitely heard of all the companies we work for. So Okay. I probably have. Yeah. So, so your job is basically actually go out to the meetings and does that involve a lot of flying to places or is it mostly in your area? It involves some travel like Chicago, Nashville. I'm based in Cincinnati. I should say that first. Okay. So some travel, but a lot of it's driving and actually, you know, telling a story of why um, my products can ease their pain points or why my product can, you know, drive more revenue, cut costs. So um, just going along, going along with the story theme, I think it applies anywhere. Cool. So I'm curious to know, like, what were some of the stories that you told during your interview with this company that did hire you, if you remember? Yeah, so um, while well, I had the background of an English major, because I was planning on going to law school, so that was also another thing that I think a lot of people are like, why are you going for these sales positions if you're an English major, like you don't belong here? Mm. I was actually able to spin my English major and... I think a great way to tell a story is to kind of go against type or go against what people normally think. Yeah. So as an English major, they probably think um, I'm writing poetry. I have my head in the clouds. <laughs> uh, I'm a great thinker, but not a great doer. I can't really get results. And although my degree was in professional writing, so it was more business writing and um, yeah, technical writing. So your degree of. had like a specialization to it then? Exactly. Yeah. Was it like but, English specializing in professional communication or something like that. Or yeah, yeah. Okay. But a lot of people they just hear English and they think you know poetry, <laughs> creative, creative writing, a failed author kind of thing. I'm, I'm writing the next great American novel. Exactly. My manuscript exactly. is well. I'll start it next week. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So first of all, I had to um, convince them that you know this wasn't me. I was actually the super competitive guy, and I'm a quick learner. And I think that's huge in sales, but, uh, most importantly, you know, just being competitive because sales is hard and, you know, some days you can go weeks without getting sales. That's mm-hmm. just how the business is. So I had to communicate that. And, um, I think one of my stories, and a lot of people, I think were initially confused is on my resume. I put, um, it was something like led an undefeated intramural basketball championship or something or like captain of an undefeated senior basketball intramural championship. And that's not what most people expect on a resume. Um, it's kind of personal and it's, it's intramural basketball. It's not like real, but I was yeah. able to use that. 
And when they said, like, why are you interested in a sales position as an English major? I were a lot of, I think, you know, these other salespeople would say, oh, I love sales. You know, it's a great personality fit for me. And like I said, not really telling a story, just saying this general generalizations. I went to super detail and would say something like, I believe I'm a great fit for sales because I'm super competitive and an outgoing person. And, um, you know, outgoing person was probably not a good thing to say there. <laughs> but I would say, like, I had this little story um, to explain why I'm so competitive and why I'm not just saying it. And I said something like, I'm so competitive that I didn't let two of my really good friends join my intramural basketball team because I wanted to win so bad. And, you know, I told them, like, sorry, guys, it's nothing really personal, but we want to win the championship this year, and that's going to be harder to do with a big roster. Hmm. And then we ended up winning the championship, and I later massaged those relationships. And, you know, the recruiters love that. It's a great talking point. I think sports are pretty relatable. So then people are seeing me like, oh, this guy, you know, he's fun. He wants to win. He's perfect for sales. He's a go-getter kind of thing. And I think that really went a further way than if I would have just said, you know, I'm super competitive and that's why I'm great for sales. Yeah. So the interviewer didn't say like, oh, man, you're a dick for not letting your friends play. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I eventually, um, which is true, too. I massaged those relationships and, you know, kind of said sorry. Uh, I just really wanted to win and we can play basketball Mm -hmm. at the rec together and stuff. So, yeah, I think that was, you know, (laughs) maybe not the best story, maybe uh, a little risky, but it ended up working out for me. And a lot of them laughed and stuff because you don't hear most people like telling their friends they can't join the team. Yeah. Things like that. So I think having some sort of like surprising aspect or some like something that subverts the norm is a good element to a story. Definitely. Like that story arc. I remember the, the last job I had was uh, I worked for a research department on campus and they want me to be like the web developer. And one of the stories I told was a story from my internship that I had done for a big financial company where one day they gave me a side project and they said, hey, we want you to go through this like list of servers in this server control panel application and uh, you need to click each one and then like change these four settings and type like a thing in this little field and then click save and we're really sorry, but it takes about 30 seconds when you click a server to load that page. And then it takes about a minute of loading, like after you click the save settings button and there's like a thousand of these. So <laughs> you're going to be sitting here clicking the same like four things <laughs> for all day. And I was like, this is terrible. This is like, how, how has my life led me to this point? My life is in shambles. <laughs> so I found this little program called Sakuli script and I basically programmed it. It lets you like take screenshots of your computer screen and then you can tell it like, okay, when you see this picture on the screen, do this. And I was able to create a little script that went through and did it automatically. Um, but it like takes over your computer. So you can't do anything while it's running. So I just put Netflix in the second monitor and I watched like <laughs> Iron Man two and the Wolverine and stuff like all day. And yeah. then at the end of the day, I came to my boss and was like, yeah, it's done. Uh, <laughs> I, I just watched Netflix all day, but it's done. That's and my, the interviewer was like, oh, that's hilarious. And, yeah. and I got the job and I ended up doing something similar at that job, which helped them out quite a bit. So I think if you can tell a story that's a little bit kind of like funny or has a weird thing in it, but also illustrates, like you said, like a quality that would be helpful to the people hiring you. Then yeah, I think it, that's just, a, it like punctuates that quality. 
Yeah, definitely. I think that's a great point. I'm glad you mentioned that because telling those like funnier stories or just, you know, it shows your personality, that's going to turn also the interview into more of a conversation rather Mm -hmm. than like an interrogation or, you know, me against you or I'm looking down on you kind of thing. Yeah. Is that how you think of interviews? Yeah. So I think you definitely want to make it into like a conversation and look at it as, you know, you're an equal with them. You are providing the value of being an awesome candidate and hopefully being an awesome employee for them. And they're providing the value of obviously giving you the job and the salary or income. So I think you should go in with like a a meeting of equals, not that, um, you know, you're, you have the lower hands and you need to be super nervous or. Right. Yeah. I think that like, that's the ideal we strive for to look at an interview and frame it as a conversation between two parties who can provide value to each other. And I've always tried to frame it that way. And I think it, it later on, I guess I can't say now because I haven't had an interview in <laughs> a few years. Um, but which is a good thing. Later, it is. I mean, yeah, it's very nice. Yeah. I, I imagine if I ever had to go to an interview now, I would need to do some practice ones. Um, like the last year of college was the last interview I did. And it was easier at that point. But before that, like, you know, in the earlier years of college, it's hard to convince yourself that is what an interview actually is. It still seems like you are this low on the totem pole person who has to be granted the mercy of the gods, essentially, of a job. <laughs> yeah, um, like there's true. like this desperation. I don't know. Like, do you have any tips for maybe getting over that fear that or, or reframing it in that more productive light? Yeah, that's kind of tough. And I didn't. I mean, I talked about like, you know, what mindset you should have, but I, in the book, but I didn't really go into that. I'm thinking maybe it's because of age difference usually, Mm. where, you know, you see them superior in age and knowledge and you're nervous. But I think if you, well, I'll tie this in the stories again too. The great part about stories is that you can prepare them in advance and you can practice them and you can tell your friends, tell your parents, um, talk yourself in the mirror you might be like, seem like a weirdo, but it'll work. And that's the great part about stories is you can practice them, you know, see what ones work, see what ones don't. If you have three interviews and in the first interview you try your story and you completely bomb it or you get the details wrong or they look at you kind of funny and doesn't, you know, create good conversation mm-hmm. then you can tweak it for the next interview and then get even better on the third interview. So I think just the more prepared you are and the more confident you are, then... Yeah then it should be more of a mental mindset of meeting between equals rather than, yeah, I'm at the mercy of the gods kind of thing. Right. I think having some stories prepared also could help just boost your overall confidence before going into an interview. Because, you know, when you said like it might be an age thing, um, the thought that came to mind is like, I know of plenty of people who are older who are still very nervous going into interviews, Um, whether they think they're too old for a job or they're just they just don't have confidence for another reason. I think it's really, it comes down to a self-confidence issue. Like I am not valuable enough for this job. And what I've always tried to tell myself is I am the best candidate for this job. It doesn't matter if that's true or not. I'm going in with that mindset. And if you have a story in mind, that can sort of justify your qualities to yourself. Because if you, like if you're, uh, what's that movie? where he's just like looking in the mirror. I think it's Steve Carell in uh, Evan Almighty, where he's like looking at himself <laughs> in the mirror and he's just like, I'm confident and I'm happy. And I have a great family. And he's just like telling himself <laughs> these things over and over again. Like, I am awesome. And he has to reaffirm it to himself. That's a little bit less confidence instilling than 
having these stories in your mind of, of reasons why you have those qualities that you want to have. Yeah. And, um, it's a cliche, but it's true. You know, confidence is contagious. Mm. So if you're walking in the interview and you don't have these prepared stories, you're kind of at the mercy of what questions they ask you and you look at it as this interrogation, not like a conversation, then it's going to show and maybe your body language, your, you know, facial expressions, um, you might start moving your hands in awkward, uncomfortable areas. So I think preparation is very underrated. Um, a lot of people just think, oh, I'm prepared by having my resume. But no, you need to go further and think about your stories and think about how you're going to answer potential questions. Yeah, definitely. So is there a way that you can apply this idea of storytelling to your resume? Because, I mean, it makes sense in the interview, but with the resume, it's like you have very little space to work with. Yeah, it's a little tougher on the resume. I think um, even putting that in the story context will go a long way. So when you're telling a story, you want to know who your audience is, right? right? You want to tell the same story to an adult that you tell a little kid, or you want to tell the same story um, maybe even to an American that you tell to someone in Japan or something. Mm. So you want to know your audience, and in terms of the resume, I like to use business school or business major as the best example because they're pretty similar, but they're not the exact same. So if you major in accounting or finance or econ, um, those are all you know kind of similar and they share courses. But if you're applying to an accounting firm, an econ firm, or a finance firm, you want to shade your resume a little bit different and tell a different story about yourself with your examples. And so getting your audience down, number one, is huge. And then two, I think um, looking at the job description of the jobs you're going for, that's in finding those keywords. Number one, that's going to help you tell your story and help you write your resume because you can kind of see, get a better context of what you know story they're looking for. Mm. And two, it's going to help you um, in this you know internet age, 2015, it's going to help you get your resume noticed um, either by the recruiter or by the program search engine that they use to find um, keywords. So I'm covering a lot of different topics there, but yeah, is that clear? definitely. Because I think with a resume, it's not like you're you're telling the hero's journey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe maybe in terms of not even, not even in terms of your job history, because you don't want to list your job history in chronological order. It's more in terms of what's going to stick out to the particular recruiter that's reading your resume. Um, but it is really about crafting a resume that puts you in the best light for that specific job. So uh, one of the things that just sort of ended in my life is my girlfriend's job hunt. She just got a full-time job, which is awesome. Uh, I'm really happy for her. But for a while, she was applying for all these jobs and going to interviews, and she was constantly asking me for advice on her cover letter. And I, I feel like that is a much more uh, pertinent place to put a story. So do you have any experience with telling stories in your cover letters? Because I know a lot of students just sort of retell their resume almost. Yeah, the weird thing is I a lot of the jobs I applied for, and I don't know if it's because it's sales or what, but they didn't ask for cover letters. So hmm. I'd say I'm much more um, qualified on the resume and interview topics than cover letters. So you just but never I, sent one? I mean, I sent a few like for internships in, you know, freshman sophomore junior year okay but senior year i don't know why the sales people didn't want cover letters so oh. i think yeah i mean i can speak on it but i'm by no means you might be more qualified than me 
Well, the uh, one thing that I'm not entirely sure about, and maybe I should ask, you know, actual recruiter about this, is when she was applying for jobs, they didn't specifically ask for a cover letter. But I think her career class or career advisor at the university had said, like, you always just send a cover letter with your resume. Um, so that's what she ended up doing with a few of those. And I'm wondering, like, is there an opportunity to just include one that could bolster your resume, even if people don't ask for it, or if it's just a, ma- a matter of like, don't send it because it's not worth the effort. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's interesting. I can you know touch on some things, but definitely for the listeners, uh, go look for more qualified <laughs> qualified information than me. But I'm gonna I'll make a note a... to to put something in the show notes about that. Okay, I'll see if I can look something up because that's that's an interesting question. Like, I would imagine that for the most part, and actually I've been told this um, in one of the previous episodes that for the most part, cover letters get thrown in the trash like right away. Yeah. Um, but there have been a few, like I'm, I'm thinking of the specific interview I did with Brad Karsh who like read 10,000 resumes during his time as recruiter. Wow. He said that occasionally people would utilize their cover letters to tell a story and to essentially just like buck the trend that everyone follows with their cover letters. And those are the ones that were memorable it didn't necessarily mean that they were going to get an interview, but they definitely stood out and had more of a chance of going into the shortlist, at least. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, any way you can kind of stand out and go above and beyond, that's a great way to do it. So maybe that would have gave me better results if these sales companies weren't asking for cover letters and I went ahead and gave them one anyway. Yeah, maybe. How many yeah. uh, jobs did you have to apply to after college before you found yours? So I applied to maybe... 10 and that was in September of 2014 and then um, got a lot of interviews probably from 80 to or eight or nine of them and um, had my job offers by December and then had that all wrapped up in a couple months that was really nice oh wow and how many interviews did you end up going to I went to a lot of interviews. Um, I'd say the average was probably three to four maybe three to five for each um, company oh wow Three to five for each company? So, yeah, I mean... Like all 10 you applied to, did you interview with all 10 of those or was it... No, I think like eight or nine, like I was saying. But, so you know, like some of them are like 15 interviews minutes. At least. Yeah, some of them are like 15 <laughs> minutes, like, tell me about yourself, how are you? And then the real interview was the next day to get more into it. Okay. And then that was with the recruiter and then you go to the hiring manager. And then for some, I had to go like the senior hiring manager, or the senior vice president manager. I don't know. That's intense. How many interviews did your current job put you through? Current job was three interviews and then one field day, which felt like an interview because I was getting asked questions the whole time in the car. So what's a field day? So for outside sales, the, one of the senior sales guys took me out and kind of says, or took me through what he did. And so he was, he had a couple of meetings lined up for this day and kind of walked me through his sales pitch beforehand and then he went in and did it so that was cool to you know get the information and see it in action Mm. and then um but yeah we were just i feel like i was getting interviewed in the car because he was asking a lot of questions that makes sense i guess it would make sense to take somebody out and kind of see how they do in the field so with with your job like i've i knew people who have done outside sales quote unquote where the other department in the company has already gotten the leads and they just set up the meetings. So like this person would just go to the meeting. Is that what you do or 
Is there like a, a process for finding leads and pitching people that doesn't involve the phone? Yeah. So the good and bad thing with my company is basically everyone needs what we do. So there's mm. almost everyone's qualified lead. Um, we do anything from business cards to business forms to labels to the big signs you see at Kroger to the menu at Wendy's. So I think What's we Kroger? have one. Uh, sorry, Kroger. Have you heard of Walmart? Oh, is it like a big grocery store kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, it's like a big grocery store. Um, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, it's like Meyer Kroger. I don't know what's what it is in Iowa, but we have High V. High V, okay. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, this huge grocery chain, and but basically we do sales with 100 percent of the Fortune 100, 98 percent of the Fortune 500. So wow, almost every company needs print. Um, you'd be surprised, but uh, so basically we can, you know, and we are such a big company and own like 60 percent of the market that we can get really good deals because we have a lot of warehouses that do the print Mm. and do the material. So to answer your question, almost every company is a qualified lead, which makes it nice and kind of why I picked the job because it's an easy sell, easier sell. Yeah. So do you just like, are you literally walking in the door of these companies and saying, hey, I'm with this company. Do you want to set up a meeting? Yeah. So actually sometimes (laughs) I walk in and it's kind of hard to say without like being arrogant or cocky because you don't want to do that. Mm. But I, it's a good way to get attention. So I'll walk in and say, hi, I'm from our Donnelly. Um, we're the number one printing company in the world. We also do communications and um, like translations or QR codes and some other stuff like that. But usually people want the print. So then I'll ask for, can I have like the marketing director's information, contact information? And you'd be surprised. A lot of people call on the phone. And these people are so busy and also through email, they probably get thousands of emails a day. Yeah. But if you go in in person and ask to either meet with them for a little or get their contact information, then they're going to be much more likely when I follow back, say, hi, I stopped in. Um, you were busy, but I got the contact information from a secretary, Susie, for example. And she said that you guys might be interested. So then you just create more of a uh, kind of connection rather than, Hey, I'm some random guy calling. I've never, you know, met you, never met anyone at your company. I don't really know what you do kind of thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when you're going back and you've got that information, are you, are you physically going back to the same building again? Or is that at the point where you call? Yeah, at that point, I'm going to do some research and make it, you know, you can almost think of it as a story, mm-hmm. not to say that word too much, but you don't want to just say, hi, I'm with, hi, I'm with this company. I, 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 and speaking about yourself, I can help you. You want to say, hey, I noticed you guys got this award, build some uh, emotional connection. Congrats on that. Um, and then I'll like attach one of our company profiles that tells our story. And I'll say something like, usually we can save you 10 to 20% on costs while also driving revenue based on um, just the size of our company and our technology. Would you be interested in meeting for 10 minutes? And then it's, yeah, it seems pretty simple, but it usually works. Cool. Yeah. I think there are threads here that could probably help a student going into an interview as well. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Like the, the fact that it's more effective to focus on the value that your company can provide to them. Like you guys are going to be able to do this and this and, you know, continue the history of doing whatever it is you do. Like that's a good thing to focus on as an interviewee as well, I think. Yeah, and that's why um, in my book I say like you shouldn't write an objective because they don't really care about your objective. Mm. They care about their objective, and their objective is to find the best candidate and the best personality fit. And 
yeah, arguably sometimes your personality is more important than your technical skills if a lot of people have similar technical skills. Cool. So tell me about your book. Like, What else does it go over besides this uh, resume interviewing process? Yeah, so there's a lot of um, resume books out there. This isn't some you know new discovery, but I think my book really stands out in the way I talk about um, the personal marketing strategy, which is how you tell your story. I look at it as you should have like a main story or mental framework of maybe like you know little phrase that you want to umbrella the rest of your resume, and then um, in your resume, I say you should have like 15 stories based off your resume and your personal experience that you are prepared and can kind of use them as like a arsenal um, to answer almost any question. Because in the interview, they're, they're either going to run down your resume and ask you questions or they're going to ask you like behavioral questions mm-hmm. and having these stories is going to work. But other than that, um, I think my book is pretty similar to others. I walk through like 10 um, resume rules that will that will have you not get disqualified from the job search, so like 10 mistakes that many people make. And then I think my book might be a little unique besides the story front. Also in the way I talk about your digital resume, and I bet you, Tom, are um, even more knowledgeable about than me on creating like this personal brand. So maybe we can talk about that. Hmm, yeah, definitely. Um, it's a big topic. <laughs> it is. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's good to think about the fact that you're marketing yourself both online and offline these days. For me, I always viewed like my website as sort of my home base for showing people what it is that I've done because it enabled me to link to my writing and to my uh, like show pictures of my web development experience and all that. And then like the resume was a starting point. My Twitter account was a starting point. Uh, LinkedIn is a similar thing where these are the avenues that people are most likely to find me through. And I want to make those be most effective for their medium, but also link back to that home base where people can see more of my creative freedom has been expressed there. And uh, they can see like the the best, I guess the best medium for showing off my skills. So yeah, that, that was my, so that was my ideal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a couple of statistics that I think might help people or listeners understand like the importance of your digital footprint or online presence, whatever you want to call it. Mm. And the undercoverrecruiter.com found that 93% of companies use LinkedIn for recruiting. So a lot of times I think these companies are looking at your LinkedIn even before they check out your resume. It could be like a weed out system and definitely before they they interview you. I've seen a lot of companies have like this autofill the application with LinkedIn feature. Yeah. And that's definitely, I think, growing over time too. So I think my strategy was just to kind of be everywhere that it would be beneficial for me to have a profile at. So I figured that recruiters are probably using LinkedIn. I want to have, you know, my best foot forward there. They're probably going to be looking for my resume on like the campus recruiting system. So I had it all there. Uh, Just getting my bases covered on all those online places and then making sure to be actively going out to networking events and putting my physical face in front of people and, you know, shaking hands and stuff. I think that's an underrated part of the job hunting process. A lot of people just sort of make their resume and kind of cover those bases and then apply, but they're not getting out into the real world and and meeting people more actively. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I think the best way is just to control the conversation. So like you were saying, you're getting your online accounts everywhere that you thought would help. And when I search your name, I mean, obviously I'm going to see College Info Geek. Um, but at the time, I'm sure I'd see other things too, like your LinkedIn and all that. So by controlling the conversation, that's going to be really helpful. And Unfortunately, I mean, you still see the other guy named Thomas Frank. <laughs> but I am finally... Yeah, I just checked. Uh, this, this is the guy that has my name. He's like 50 years old, and he's written a bunch of books that have done pretty well, apparently. So All in he, good time. he comes up first, but my Twitter comes up first. Like, I guess Google now has a thing where if you Google somebody's name, there's a Twitter account and like shows a few of the tweets. So mine's there. Is that pretty new? I haven't seen that. I think so, yeah. I always do it in incognito mode just to make sure like me being signed in doesn't oh, influence yeah. the result. And uh, I have like... Uh, three or four results on the first page now, which actually I guess my LinkedIn is now there. Whereas when in college there was like nothing <laughs> you had to go to the second page to find me. <laughs> so it's finally there. It's, it's pretty nice. And uh, that can be a challenge. I don't know. I've always been afraid of um, like somebody with my name committing some heinous crime. And then like all the big, all the big media outlets as they like to do, will just report on it to no end. And then if you Google my name, it'll just be like bank robber <laughs> or something. Yeah. Not to scare you, but your name, you know, isn't that unique. So I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe yours isn't too unique either. It's at least well, yeah, six mine, letter last name. Yeah. See the people with like the super complex long names, they have the, uh, the difficulty of having it be pronounced and spelled, but they have the advantage of probably not going to be a bank robber their name yeah they can sleep easy at night knowing that won't happen <laughs> yeah that, that's a tough thing to deal with um i i don't think it's too much to worry about though i think the average recruiting manager who's going to google you is smart enough to not just see like bank robber on google and imagine like oh that's definitely this guy who's applying <laughs> because this th- this bank robber is probably in jail so how would they apply for this job <laughs> yeah and there's usually a mugshot or something yeah that's that's not the guy <laughs> so it's not too big of a deal, but yeah, there's definitely a, uh, a focus on the online that, that complements the offline efforts. And I think you need to be thinking about both for sure. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, this has been an awesome conversation and, uh, I'll definitely link to your book in the show notes and see if people can find some value with it. But yeah, thanks for coming to the show. No problem. Thanks for having me on. And I hope, uh, contribute some value to your listeners. Sure. If you want to mind, I also want to tell them if you guys need um, any resume help or would want to send your resume to me, then I would definitely take a look at it and hopefully I could help you out. My email is brian at takeyoursuccess.com. So feel free to shoot your resume and maybe a couple uh, comments where I can focus on. I think you just opened the floodgates, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to hire a team now to help me out. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Don't send me your resume. <laughs> my email's already horribly behind <laughs> but yeah that's very generous of you so. <laughs> no problem all right man all right guys thanks so much for listening to this entire conversation it really means a lot to me that you're sticking around for these entire podcasts uh if you want to connect with brian you can go to takeyoursuccess.com and find his blog there he's also got ways to to connect with him and his book is the golden resume once again all those links are in the show notes and if you want to find my favorite resources for making your college experience a better one you can find all that stuff over at collegeinfogeek.com slash resources so that's all i got for you thanks again for listening i'll see you next week and until then Stay cute.